Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And we got a good one for you today. I think the timing of it's really good because if you are like a lot of our clients and a lot of our listeners, um, and to some degree me, and, and I'll explain this fully, but if you think what's happened in the markets this week is a bit of a head scratcher, you're not alone. <laughs> uh, and... Really, it's been what's happened over the last 30 days, Um, and I'll kind of line that out here, but you're not alone, Um, and so we're really dedicating this show to try to figure out what has gone on and has anything changed, and guys, the reason I always come at this from an angle of not why the market's wrong, but has anything changed, because if the way that I see it, if I'm right, I don't need to worry about that. Right. What I need to worry about is if I'm wrong. So there's always the way that we're positioned and the way we think things are going to roll out. And I don't spend my time focused on that. I'm already positioned that way. If it plays out that way, I don't need to pay attention to it. You know, it's like asking somebody, what are you going to do if you win the Super Bowl? And he's like, well, you know, I'm not really worried about winning the Super Bowl. I'm worried about making the team. Right? <laughs> because That's what I need to focus on. I'm not worried about winning the Super Bowl because if I do, that means I'm on a team and I've got millions of dollars and everything's great, right? What I need to worry about at that point is where I'm going on vacation and what car I'm going to buy in the off season. So we always want to make sure it's as an investors, it's really easy to fall in love with our positions and fall in love with our viewpoint. And I, I just, in my opinion, and it's a, it's, it's a lesson I've learned through pain. Um, I need to focus more intently on what I might be getting wrong, right? It's the bullet you don't see. Right. Um, it's the thing that you well, what is the what is the term? And I'm forgetting who and I'm just drawing a blank right now. Was it Twain? It's 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 not the thing you don't know that's going to hurt you the most. It's the thing, you know, for certain that just isn't so right. It's it's if you're wrong. So focusing on how we could be wrong and then also looking at maybe we're not wrong. What else is going on here? And, and quite honestly, I think it's a big mashup right now. So first of all, let's kind of address what's going on in the overall markets. You guys know that we've been focused on inflation and interest rates rising and all that kind of stuff. And now all of a sudden, the Federal Reserve in the last 30 days has hiked interest rates 150 basis points. So a point and a half, which is like now they were coming from a very low spot, granted. Okay, but that's like a in 30 days, that's like a what, what is that? Like a 350% gain. No, maybe it's not that much. Yeah, like a 350% gain of the federal funds rate, right? So a historically tightening, <laughs> rapid tightening cycle. And the NASDAQ is basically up 15% over the same period of time. Okay, so at first glance, you might be sitting there going, all that talk about higher interest rates and lower multiples, you know, that's nonsense, Zach. You were wrong. Um, hey, I could certainly be wrong. Like I've always said, guys, nobody knows for sure. What I honestly think is happening, and we've been talking about this for a while now, I just kind of think that this is a bit of a bull market, bear market rally. I think the setup is perfect for it. When you looked across the complex, and, and, this, is, and, and this is something that people need to understand about markets. I, I, that's why I don't think in this market. I don't think the lows are in. I think at some point over the next 8 to 12 months, we are going to see lower and probably significantly lower stock valuations. But it's not going to be this elevator to hell, right? It's not going to be straight down. And one of the reasons it's not going to be straight down is because everybody knows the enemy we're fighting, right? None of this is coming as a shock. You know, when the market prints 8% inflation, nobody's freaking out, right? We, we've got time to know that. There's not a Lehman Brothers going bankrupt all of a sudden and threatening the liquidity in, in, in the entire world. So you got to think about that. What that does is it gives companies time to try to adapt, to cut costs, to find better supply, right? So 
while it doesn't make sense on the face of it, this market's having time to figure it out. And what I think the market is doing, first of all, I think that what you're seeing right here is mechanical, meaning people got smashed, right? Worst start of the year since 1970. Um, I think people hedged up. You saw record amounts of cash uh, among professional money managers sitting on the sidelines. You saw record levels of calls on the VIX, hedging, think betting that things are going to get really bad. When everybody bets that things are going to get bad and protects against the worst, that's usually the beginning of a market rally. And that's usually that and profit taking from short sellers. You know, so when this bottomed basically a month ago, right, the NASDAQ was down 30% on the year. I know we'd made really good money on it. I also know that as head scratching as this rally was, we've taken some really big profits on those hedges. And as a matter of fact, as the end of last week or coming into this week, we were unhedged on the NASDAQ for the first time this year. Um, and was that? Yeah. Anyway, we've been taking profits on it, but same thing, right? It, it's been a really good trade. We've made some really good money on it and you take profits. Well, remember when you close out a short, you're buying along, right? So a lot of times it's short sellers taking profits on shorts that start a bear market rally. And then it sucks in retail. It sucks in a lot of other investors. And another one of my buddies brought up a really good point. Cuppy, H. Harrison Cuppy. We've had him on the show before. Um, he said, look, guys, there's a lot of big boys out there, some pretty prominent hedge funds that are down between 20 to 30%. If they finish down at this level or lower, they're going to get a lot of capital pulled from them before the end of the year, right? Which means they lose assets under management, which means their business gets blown up. Okay, if they finish here. So what they've got to do is they got to scramble like mad to try to get back to even. Okay. Easiest way to do that typically is levering up for a bear market rally and hoping that things turn out better than they planned and hoping that things turn out the way they have over the last 15 years, which buy the dip, right? And if you did that every single time over the last 15 years, you were good. So I think that that's kind of a mechanical part to it, Right. The other part of it, I think, is just fundamental blindness, meaning, you know, earnings are certainly coming in weaker um, and weaker than a lot of Wall Street estimates, which has been a bit of a head scratcher for me. I don't really understand that. But you've had a couple prominent companies stand out from that trend, right? Like Microsoft and Apple. And that's where we got to also look at the indexing ramifications. If you have a day where Apple's up three and a half percent and Amazon's up 12, which is basically where we're at today, virtually every market index is going to be up because they have so much weight in those indexes and they start pulling things with them. Right. Um, and as many of you know, that's really kind of the, those bigger tech companies are the only ones that we've owned. And that's why we didn't sell them is I just kind of thought that their earnings would be a lot more durable through this because, and here's, here's the other reason why think about it. Um, and it's kind of crazy when you see it, you could really make an argument right now that, that Costco is valued more, is more highly valued than Amazon. I'm not making that statement unequivocally, but if you factor in cash, uh, if you factor in, you know, growth rates, um, if you factor in, uh, what else was I thinking about? Um, oh, and then you kind of, and then you also factor in Amazon's real profitability, right? Cause they still deploy so much into investing, certainly more than Costco does. Um, the idea that there are more, the idea they should be valued more highly than Amazon is a bit of a, I, I love Costco. I've flipping love them. Uh, so I'm not talking on Costco at all, but, um, if you think about which company is able to deal with or benefit from inflation more, I think you can make a case for both of them. I just think it's really hard when you look at Amazon's network, right? When you look at the planes that they own and you look at their delivery, I don't think that there's a retailer out there that is better suited to deal with inflation than Amazon. I just, I just don't think it is. They can internalize so many more of those costs. Um, you know, they've got scale like nobody else. I mean, you guys know the deal. Um, so I, you know, I, and I just, I think, I think there's a lot of valuation, uh, anomalies that still exist. Um, but I think these are markets kind of fixing them, you know, kind of, kind of figuring things out. Um, 
but the, yeah, the, if you're scratching your head over the rate increases, I put out a tweet the other day where I said, uh, pretty wild that it, it, there's other weird things. Okay, so Walmart announces earlier this week their stock's at about 134 a share going into earnings. They announce earnings and profits in the same quarter last year. Okay, so that's what we do. So we, we right now we're getting second quarter results from these companies. And the way we look at them is we look back at the previous, you know, two or three of the previous second quarters, right? Because quarter to quarter things change based on seasonality. For instance, most retailers have their strongest quarter in the fourth quarter, right? So you got you to do it on a quarter quarter basis. Um, Walmart's earnings, which we have been telling you, these companies are going to get slaughtered on earnings because of all the backlogs and inventories, even though the price of the stock wasn't reflecting it. Sure enough, Walmart reports earnings are down 25% year over year compared to the second quarter. Okay. In the last three days, their stock has rebounded. So it is basically unchanged. And now it is trading at a higher valuation than it was prior to announcing a 25% drop in earnings. Uh, you can't make this stuff up. That's also a reason why I believe we go substantially lower from here. And when I say substantially, I'm not talking a collapse. But, I, you know, before this, in my opinion, before this cycle is over, I would expect stocks to, you know, for the S&P to be down somewhere around 35 to 40%. Basically enough to bring us in line, at least with where we were January 2020. Just because in this outlook, I don't think any of the valuations make any sense with interest rates where they're at. And I just think I don't think any of those companies can buck that trend for very long. But it, look, it's going to take a while for the market to realize this. The other thing that you got to realize is that in summer, weird things happen because retail makes up a disproportionate amount of the volume. A lot of institutional guys are sitting on the sidelines. There's the sell and may go away crowd, all that other kind of stuff. So, um no, I don't think that this will be the one market that never responds to economic reality is basically what I'm saying. I do still think the bill is coming due. But like, again, what we've been talking about for a while is saying, guys, do not be surprised to see 25 to 30 percent rallies off of interim bottoms. Nasdaq's up 15. That, that is nowhere close to extreme enough to suggest we're out of a bear market here. Nowhere close, not historically. Like I said, if you go back to the 0809 crash, you saw bear market rips as much as 25%. As a matter of fact, I want to say there were 8 to 10 bear market rallies of 20% or greater. Do not quote me on that. If that number is not accurate, it's right around there. And I believe there were even more of those rallies on the NASDAQ between 2000 and the bottom that eventually hit in 2002. Um, I just think people always forget that. They remember the headline number and they're like, well, shoot, maybe we're not going down. Usually these things take, if history is any indicator, these things usually take 16 to 24 months to sort themselves out. Um, and then the flip side is in 16 to 24 months, there's a lot of things that can change, right? So one of the, we're going to have Chase Taylor on, and I'm going to air a little more of the recording than I typically do, because what I really want to focus on was what is happening in the global economy? Let's look at macroeconomics and let's see if things are getting better than we thought. Okay, so we first addressed that with Chase. Then we're going to get Chase's outlook on the markets, right, and break it down. And what we're, why we're doing that is because I don't want to just rely again on our viewpoint. I don't want to just rely. I want to look at markets. I want to look at flows. I want to look at economic activity, right? Where there's all these different, it's a diaspora of all these different things. And, and we need to put them together to get the picture of what's going on. And I'll be 100% honest with you right now. Now is one of those times where I think it is extraordinarily conflicted. I, I, it is, it is with what we are looking at in the diaspora. Now, if we lay out all the facts, and we look at them, they are very much not lining up with the market. But at the end of the day, right, as frustrating as it can be, the market is what matters. And typically speaking, to be fair to the, the, the bulls out there too, typically speaking, the market's better at sniffing these things out than economists. So we always got to be careful. And you're going to hear a reference of mine that I've talked about on the show before with Chase which I referenced the movie uh, Friday Night Lights, not just because I played football and and actually my boys are starting there. They got their first football practices on Monday. It's kind of just blowing my mind. We had to go to pad handout. I hadn't done a pad handout in, since college. Uh, anyway, a side note. 
but uh, um, what we've got to look, we've like I said, we've got to focus on that whole picture, and we've got to remember what markets are. Right, markets are like the resistance, and. All too often in my own past, I've done this and I've seen a lot of other investors do it. They get married to an outlook. And when the market disagrees with them, they fight with it. They fight with it. They fight with it. And they typically end up losing significant amount, now, amounts of money when the market makes significant amounts of money. And if you want to screw your situation up quick or you want to get out of this business quick, lose a bunch of money while the market's making a bunch of money. Um, it's just not fun. And there's a line in there where the star running back who's injured is talking to his backup. And it's like the final play in the, in the, in the state championship game. And his backup, he's a big, strong kid, but he was like a bull. And, and he, he wasn't elusive, right? The star running back could make you miss. He'd beat you to the outside. You know, your classic, you know, the classic super athletic running back type where his backup was more of a fullback, more of a blocker, you know, more of a, a, a meathead, if you will. Um, and because of that, because he'd fight so hard, he'd have a tendency to fumble the ball. And the star running backs give him this lecture on the sidelines saying, hey, don't fight it. Roll with it. Roll with it. You know, like like Bruce Lee talks about, you know, being a, a bending a reed that bends with the wind, not that stands stiff against it. And that's one of the be- at the end of the day, this is not an ideological exercise. We are here to make money when markets move against us. It doesn't mean that we need to just jump on board every bear rally because <laughs> markets start moving up. That's a way to get slaughtered. But we also always need to keep our ear to the ground and be paying attention if maybe we're wrong. And when and when we get into situations like this, and I'll tell you right now, guys, we're down about I want value portfolios down about one percent on the year now, flirting with even depending on how today finishes out. Uh, altogether, I think our clients are down about four to five in their stock portfolios overall down less than that. Maybe they're up down. Uh, don't call me if you're down less than that or, or up slightly more or down more than that or up slightly less than that or whatever the case. Everybody varies depending on certain things, but right in there, that's about the, the average. Um, but I will just tell you right now, because of that, we have the least amount of hedges on the books that we've had all year long. We've completely pulled our hedges against tech. Um, we've made a good amount of money on that and we pulled those hedges, I want to say, on Monday or Friday, Monday. Um, so this actually hasn't been a bad week for us. It's been a decent week. Nice week, actually. I think we're up about 2.5-3% on the week, something like that. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, not bad. But um, we have a lot of cash on the balance sheet, and we own some volatility. And one of the reasons I'm positioned like that right now, I'm really kind of spread out. Um just because the other thing I've learned is you get in a situation like this where you don't see the picture, then again, don't fight it. Take a step back, right? If, if, if not making money is the biggest risk that your portfolio faces, that's okay, right? Again, it's about managing risk. Is missing the next 5 to 10% of a bear market rally going to ruin your retirement? No. But is taking the next leg of a 30 to 40% downward move going to? Possibly. Right. So, again, it's about looking at the risks. The other things, if you're one of those listeners out out there this year that's had a really good year taking our advice and being long energy and shorting technology, take some profits back off of it, back off of it. And I was talking to that guy earlier this year, and I hope he listened to me, but he was up 50 percent on the year because he was short tech, long energy. And I told him in an email, I said, look, just back way off, raise a lot of cash, sit on the sidelines. Fifty percent gain okay, is a good five year run. A phenomenal five-year run. Take the money and run. Let's see how things shake out. Um, so it is pretty crazy, though, right? You, you, you know, biggest, most aggressive Fed rate hikes. And I think, and Chase and I talk about that, but I think the majority of what you're seeing right now is just mechanical, meaning you had too many people on one side of the boat. Everybody and their mother was afraid of markets going down further. There, there was a record level of call buying on the VIX, which makes people, which means people think things are about to go to hell in a handbasket. And whenever people get too loaded to one side, guys, it always tips back the other way. The other thing you got to remember is um, you got to you got to stay tough and you got to stay disciplined. You know, you can't just jump in there. Oh, I was wrong, and then flip back. You know, flip back long. It's these bear market rallies are notorious for sucking investors in. 
you know, that have already taken a hit and then miss out on the first half of the rally, right? And finally, toward the end of the rally, get convinced that it's going to go again and they get jump back in only to get smacked down lower. And now, so like, let's say the, the NASDAQ went back to its low. So here, here's what I mean. This is what we cannot have happen. This is not called risk management. This is called timing markets. And this is called suicide. Okay. The guy that wrote it down, the NASDAQ down to 10.5, couldn't take the pain anymore, freaked out, inflation's going, sell me out, sell me out of tech stocks. Now NASDAQ rallies 15%. Okay. He puts in it today, NASDAQ rallies another 5% and then drops back down to that $10,500 range. NASDAQ didn't make a new low, right? It just went back to that previous low. Now that guy's down 45 to 50% right? This is how people get hurt. So don't do that. And I'm not, uh, we're not market timers. People go, Zach, what you do is market timing. It's absolutely not market timing. It's adjusting to risk exposure. Okay. We don't jump in there because, you know, we think things are going up, right? We're taking profits on our hedges and we still have our risk levels in places, right? Those rules. And if you don't know how to do that, and yet you're worried about these things. Give us a call. The other thing is, is the last three years, for those of you who've been listening and have been intending to call, because I, oh, I hear that almost all the time, Zach, we're intending to call you. Guys, you don't call us because we're the brilliant people out there that can do what nobody else can do. Call us because the sense that the, the approach we take to managing retirement makes sense. Meaning in a year like this where the NASDAQ was down 30 and the S&P was down 22 and bonds were down 20 and the 60-40 portfolio was going brutal and we had the worst start to the year since 1970 and 40-year high inflation, our average client was bumping down between flat on the year and down 4 or 5% max. Okay, When you're facing historically bad stuff, which is what we did, right? worst start of the year since 1970 and you're retired, you shouldn't have a portfolio that should be down more than zero to 5%. It should feel like a bump in the road. COVID, right? Historic situation. Average client portfolio was down six and a half. Worst five week drop in market history. Again, that's how your portfolio should behave. Last year, our stock portfolios were up 20, 19 and a half, 20, something like that. So we're not giving up the upside, right? We're managing risk. And if that, if you're paying a fee for somebody that isn't managing risk and isn't giving you, now again, if maybe you have a guy that's doing the same thing as me and he was down 8% at one point, that doesn't mean we're better than he is, right? It also means he could get lucky if he, does he have a track record of doing that? And it goes to my whole point, guys, of I will always tell you this, and I'm sure most people who hear the show don't believe this. Do we want to, do we do the show because we want to get our name out there and get more clients? Sure. But bottom line is there's a, there's a passion to educate people. And regardless of whether you go to us or somebody else, just to, to educate people how broken this retirement investment system is. It's ludicrous. It makes no sense. It's constantly exposing you to an amount of risk that's going to blow you up when that isn't even what you need. And if you find yourself in that situation... If you feel like you're not getting any bang for your buck, that you're constantly underperforming the markets, you're down just as much as the markets when they go down, you're making less on the way up, bonds aren't working the way you were told they were supposed to, you're still paying a fee, call us, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. We'll be right back after the break. Do one more segment and then get in our interview with Chase Taylor. Stick with us through the break. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free 
free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you for sticking with us. Really quick, before we move on here, a little headline I just saw that I just think is fascinating. NASDAQ, S&P 500 NASDAQ on track for biggest monthly gain since November 2020. Isn't that amazing? You know, like I said, I don't think that that means that this is the beginning of a big rally. I don't think that that is 100% proof that this is a bear market rally that you need to sell. What I do think is fascinating is... (laughs) for lack of now again maybe our outlook about the future specifically the next you know two years you know maybe our outlook is wrong but when looking at economic data today including earnings and then not just earnings remember that thing i was telling you about walmart how their net revenue fell 25 percent? it wasn't just that it was really bad guidance, too. So they were saying, hey, we don't really see this ending anytime soon. Hey, this could actually get worse, right? And within three or four, within three days, so that was on Monday, they announced a 25% drop in net income. Their stock on a PE basis is now trading at a richer valuation than it was prior to them revealing that they took a 25% hidden earnings. What I think is fascinating is how detached from reality prices of assets can get. Now, maybe these people are right. Maybe Walmart is overstating the problem. Maybe inflation's about ready to fall off a click and quote unquote Bidenomics are going to take off and it's going to be this miraculous market rise. I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but you've seen crazy things happen in the past. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not saying I think that's going to happen. I don't. What I'm saying is that watching these stock moves with absolutely zero underlying fundamental basis, it is fascinating. And it can be very frustrating, um, but it is also just fascinating to see. It just it really is amazing <laughs> to, to, to the most aggressive rate hikes in history. And then you get people on the other side of it, so well, that's because they think that this is going to happen. And I go, listen, quit trying to justify everything, right? If, if what you're saying is true, which it could be, there is absolutely nothing to suggest that's the case, okay, including what the Fed is saying. And if the Fed pivots to a point where they have to aggressively cut rates, what do you think that means for the economy? Okay, considering with their positioning right now. Right. So I it's just it's it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. But we got to keep an open mind because I will fully admit, right, if you guys were listening to the show, I was one of those guys that was saying, you know, right up until it wasn't all the way. But I want to say it was probably like September, October of 2020. Maybe it was August. I can't remember, but I continued to believe that it was a bear market rally until until we got to points on a technical basis where you're like, okay, you just cannot call this a bear market anymore. And I capitulated. So I've been wrong in the past. Um, what's just fascinating to me now is that the headwinds that drove that back in 2020 or the tailwinds that drove that, they are one. It's all reversed. The economy is weaker. Wages are higher. Margins are falling. Profits are going down. Interest rates are rising rapidly. Housing is cooling down as opposed to rising at a meteoric pace. You look at everything. I mean, it's just it could not be more different. Um, And yet, if markets continue to rise, they continue to rise, right? That's what they do. That's the game. We can gripe about it. We can complain about it. Talk about how stupid it is. Does it make any sense? No, but don't try to make any sense of it. And honestly, guys, there hasn't been a lot that's made sense for about 15 years as far as this market goes. And this market has certainly not traded on a fundamental basis for the last 15 years. So who am I to tell you it has to stop now? Do I think this is a bear market rally? Yes. Yes. And it could rally substantially. I think I'd have to check with our trader, but I think that the, the, the numbers we've got is we think that the NASDAQ could rally as much as, you know, go as high as 13. Don't quote me. I, I haven't looked at it in the last few days. And with markets moving as much as they have, these numbers could have changed. But I think that we, from our numbers, we see that the NASDAQ could rally as much as uh, to get as high as around 13.5 and still be a bear market rally. So it would not be crazy for the NASDAQ to slap on another 10% from here. And I certainly wouldn't bet that it's not possible. So just, you know, if you don't do this for a living, don't try to time this stuff. Uh, Don't try to play it. Um, 
And I don't say that because I think I'm a lot smarter than you. I say that because we're not really either. We're, we're not. We own a little bit of volatility. We've got a good stack of cash on the sidelines. And we own only the things that we have the highest level of conviction in. But I've kind of just pulled back on bets across the board because this environment is that opaque. The other reason why we pulled off on bets across the board is, you know, we're outperforming by about 12 or 13% this year. And, and when you're having, you know, we haven't made money, but we basically haven't lost either. And with the market being down 15 to 25%, depending on looking at the S&P and the NASDAQ, I, I just don't feel like that's an environment. Again, we're managing retirement money. I don't think you should be pushing, pushing on the pedal and risk screwing up a uh, 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 a good relative performance, right? So bottom line is though, this, if, if you're scratching your head, wondering why this doesn't make any sense, I will tell you again, go back and pull up a chart. Now, again, I'm not saying that this is the situation we're facing. What I'm saying is you're not missing anything. There isn't some economic silver lining out there that is justifying these price movements. This is speculation. And I think it's speculation built off of years of buy the dip. I also think it's being driven by passive flows. All of this stuff we're going to address in our upcoming interview uh, that comes on right after this segment is done uh, with Chase Taylor. We dig into it deep and, 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 and look at what's going on and also, again, testing our outlook, saying, hey, are we seeing things correctly? Um, are we, is there something we're missing in the macroeconomic picture? The market all of a sudden has gotten really optimistic in the face of the fastest, most violent uh, uh, rate hikes in history. Uh, the other thing I think is hilarious is the preponderance of bad information. It just continues. I'm sitting there looking at a chief analyst the other day for a, for a bank, sitting there arguing that the market bottoms are in. He's like, after all, you know, Fed policy isn't that extreme. We're now at the same level of interest rates as far as the Fed funds go that we were at in 2019. And I heard that and I went, what are you talking about? And I'm like, could I be wrong? I go back and look at it. Fed funds rate right now is at 225. Well, it's, it's a range, right? Two to 225. Um, in 2019, it was one five. So I just thought that was interesting. And it's proof, again, you need to be careful who you listen to because they're going to try to make these things sound all sanguine. Now, I'm not saying he was being purposefully misleading. He probably wasn't. Problem is, is that doesn't stop people from disseminating bad information. Okay, so my point to him would be, if you think this is a market bottom, the economic outlook and trends are substantially worse in 2019. And Fed policy, in all actuality, via the Fed funds rate, is a good 25 to 40% higher than it was in 2019 with a significantly worse economic backlog. So it was just funny because I'm sitting there going, hey, if you use the correct data, the argument you just made for saying the bottom is in would suggest we have much lower to go. Now, does that guarantee that I'm right? No, but it does guarantee you, and this is what I'm telling you, and this is why I want to be careful with these bear market rallies. As quote-unquote painful as the beginning of this year has been, it has not been painful enough to knock the idiocy out of this market. And as long as the idiocy abounds, as long as there is a greater fool out there that will pay a higher and higher valuation on these things, you know, like you look at the run-up Tesla's been having here, what's their stock up, like 30% in the last three, we last three, three weeks, something like that? If it's not that, it's close to it. It's up 5.5% today. Um. <laughs> I mean, that's a hey, look that's defied logic and fundamentals for years now, decades. So, I mean, that's not a surprise. But, um, yeah, I, I, if you're trying to understand this from a fundamental lens, don't waste your time. It's not there um, on the inflationary asset side, energy side, all that kind of stuff as it relates to valuations of stocks. Yes, they're still generationally cheap. It makes sense for those things to rally. The rest of this stuff, if, like I said, if you're looking for a silver bullet, you're looking for a cause, you're going to drive yourself nuts because, again, I think it's just mechanics. I think it's – I personally believe that – and you're going to see more of them. That's why I've always said it's going to be a knife fight. I think this is the last vestiges of buy the dip. And market bottoms take time. Um, and then if you go back and look at the 70s, one of the other things I've said is maybe we don't have a big catastrophic drop. What if, for instance, the NASDAQ bounces around in a range of 3,800 to 5,000 over the next eight years? Guys, if you have 5 to 7% inflation in that environment and the NASDAQ just bumps around, because that's sort of what happened throughout the 70s. If I, don't, don't quote me on this, but if I want to say from 1968 to 81, I believe the stock market was up like 17%. People are like, that's not that bad. And I'm like, whoa, 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 guys, that's like 1.2% a year and they averaged something like 9% inflation. And then on top of that, during the same period of time, bonds got slaughtered. 
right? So it's like what you've seen in the last six months that basically lasted or last 12 months that basically lasted for like 12 or 13 years, right? So maybe you don't have a big crash, but if stocks stall out in an environment where you've got eight to 9% inflation, it's over a five to seven year period of time, guys, that's just like taking a 60% hit. And, and I think that's the other thing that we as investors need to adjust our brains around, right? Uh, uh, big drops have been what killed us over the last 40 years. And that's because inflation was very tame, right? You don't need big drops to kill you. As a matter of fact, you can, you, you've seen multiple examples like Venezuela where they had unbelievable stock market performance and their society was collapsing. Now that's, I don't, it's not going to happen here. I'm not saying that. People are like, well, eventually, well, eventually is a long time. Anything can eventually happen anywhere. What I'm just saying is the things that caused a hyperinflationary collapse like they did in Venezuela, those things are not in play here. Not at this point. They're just not. So anybody that's forecasting that, I just, you know, they're selling snake oil. Um, and if it was the case, you know, you'd, I, I'd be the first to tell you. It's just not, it's not accurate. Um, but, you know, that's the other thing. In an inflationary environment, you don't need a big crash to kill you. What you need what can kill you, what can hurt you bad is a lack of growth. And, you know, so may, and maybe that's it. Like I said, you never saw, I don't think you ever saw the market drop more in that whole issue of seventies. Think of oil embargoes, inflation, higher rates, all that kind of stuff. I don't think you, I don't think the market, if I remember correctly, and if, if I'm off, it's really close, but the market never dropped 30% from its high during that interim. Right. It was, it was never a disaster. But it was just kind of a sideways, up and down, back and forth. And all the while, you had 8 to 9% inflation eating you alive. And bonds getting just annihilated, 50, 60, 70% in some cases. So that's the other thing. And that's why I say you got to be flexible. The other thing I will tell you is if you're an inflationista, and this is something I've been keeping in mind, if you're an inflationista, markets don't usually crash in high inflationary environments. And that's why I just think that in, a, in an environment like this, I, I just, if we didn't manage risk, I just don't, you're rolling the dice. If you're not a risk manager in this environment, you're rolling the dice because you've got, you've got a gun to both sides of your head. You've got tremendous risk of deflation and blow ups and, you know, spiking dollar and China blow. You know, you've got all those threats out there at the same time, you're staring down 40 year high inflation with rapidly rising rates. It's, it's a, nobody has this market figured out. You know, Jim Cramer's out there today saying that the bottom's in, you got to start buying stocks again. Okay. I will tell you that that is historically a very bad indication. Again, doesn't mean he's wrong. Tom Lee, who's had an incredible record. He's saying the same thing. He thinks stocks can set new highs by the end of the year. Um, I just don't see it. I will tell you that, that those guys look at things through almost Jim Cramer. Now he used to be more fundamental or used to say he was anyway, but they're looking at things through a purely technical analysis lens. I can see their point on a technical analysis lens. I just don't think that what is happening now on a technical analysis basis is, is relevant. And the reason I don't think it's relevant is because the things the economy are trying to digest right now are such a massive turn from the past 40 years. Right? We're dealing with issues we have not dealt with for a very long time. We're dealing with some issues we've never dealt with. And so environments like that, when, when things are sort of sanguine and normal, then I, I kind of put more stock in technical analysis because the trend is your friend. It's objects in motion tend to stay in motion. Um, when you get into areas like this where you go from 15 years of basically 0% interest rates to the fastest rate hikes in history – I just think you should weight technical analysis less in that environment. And I think you need to pay more attention to the fundamentals because eventually, eventually asset prices will reflect the fundamental underlying. They always have. They always will. Regardless of what any moron on TV says, asset prices will always be valued on an economic, on a fundamental basis, right? We're buying cash flows at the end of the day. Anyway, that's enough of me. I think that it's going to be more valuable to turn it over to Chase and my conversation. Um, so we'll air about eight minutes of that or so on the show. And then as always, you guys can log on to uh, knowyourriskradio.com or you can just Google Know Your Risk Radio podcast and you can download the entire, it's about 70 minute interview I've got with Chase. And we just try to make sense of all this. Try to figure out, is the market right? 
Uh, is the market wrong? What do we see happening on the macroeconomic level? How do we compare that to price action and markets? And I just think it's a much better way to help us get our hands around what's going on because um, it's just crazy. Again, it, and, it, and I'm not saying you guys know me. It's it, I think the market's biased lower, but it wouldn't shock me high to see it go on a heck of a run. And I wouldn't be surprised if I was wrong. Right? It's it's happened before. Um, I just think the macro. I just think the fundamental outlook is really clear. So I'm not. We like I said, we've actually had a nice week this week. Um, I'm not trying to make up defense reasons or anything. I know better than that. Okay. I'm not defending my outlook because the bulls are like, Oh, you just got it wrong. No, no, no. I, I, I no, I didn't. Right. Uh, <laughs> and that's not the way that we look at it. Um, I'm trying to understand it because what I am trying what I'm saying is that the instances of major indexes like the NASDAQ rallying with 150 basis point increases in 30 days that you just guys, that just doesn't exist. And so it doesn't mean that if you think that that's because things are improving and the markets are going to make new highs by the end of the year, I'm not calling you an idiot, right? What I'm saying is that yeah, technically you could be right. There's just absolutely no evidence of that ever occurring in the past. That's just not, it's just not the way things work, right? Um, and what is the Fed doing? They're raising rates to do what? Push down asset prices. <laughs> That's not, that is not a stimulative act. Uh, so anyway, we'll see. Maybe the market's right. Other people are like, oh, they're pricing in Fed rate cuts. Uh, again, if the Fed has to pivot quickly to rate cuts, guys, my question is, I think you're looking past an obvious question. What broke enough for them to have to completely reverse course? Okay, and I think if you think that a pivot to cutting rates is automatically bullish for stocks, it could be. But I think if you think it's automatically bullish for stocks, I think you're ta- I, you're going out on a far you're going f- way further out on any limb that I'd be willing to go out on, because the quite like again, what what happened? What's going on that's going to require them to reverse course that violently? So anyway, you know the great thing about markets, guys, is we'll see we'll see who's right. Again, I caution you. I still think your bear market rally. Um, I don't think you should be short here. I think you should be careful. And if you don't feel confident one way or the other, sitting in cash is not a bad thing. Yes, even with inflation. Why do I say that? It's because we've had a lot of cash on the sidelines and we're down about three or three and a half, four and a half percent on the year. Market's still down 15% or more, right? So one of the reasons we're not down is because we hold cash. Anyway, got to take, got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with my interview with Chase. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you next week. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Hey, it's Story Monson with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of Know Your Risk Radio. And Zach, I know you and Bulwark are laser-focused on risk management. What is the biggest risk right now? Ironically, bonds. Really? Why? Because of all this money printing and the fact that we're still at zero interest rates, it's likely to create some serious inflation. And inflation crushes bonds. If your portfolio has a significant portion in bonds, you may need a bond replacement strategy now. Get our free booklet, Common Sense Investing, to learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy that shows you how to protect your retirement against loss, but still seek market gains. Our goal is the highest returns with the least amount of risk and cost. Call now for your free copy of Zach's new version of Common Sense Investing. Learn about Bulwark's bond replacement strategy, 866-779-RISK, or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you so much for sticking with us. And now, as I always say, it's, it's my favorite time of the show. And one of the reasons why is, um, you know, inter- interviewing people takes some, takes some work. Hopefully we do a decent job of here. Um, but it's, it's much easier <laughs> than carrying a show by yourself. That's one of the reasons why. The, the other reason why is because I get to have really smart people on that know more about stuff than I do. And uh, I get to scratch my intellectual curiosity itch. So I know for a fact this next guest will do all of the the above for us. Uh, He is our macro guru, Chase Taylor of Pinecone Macro Research. Chase, thanks so much for joining us and uh, glad to have you on the show again. 
Yeah, always great to be on. I appreciate you having me back, Zach. Oh, you bet, pal. Um, okay, so let's just come right out of the gate. Um, yeah, you know, I, I am obviously known as a guy that pulls a lot of punches that doesn't usually say what he thinks, but today I'm going to make an exception. Um, what in the world is going on in the macro world? Uh, I, the, and, and let me frame this chase just so you know what I'm talking about. Um, one of the things that I've been doing is looking at, looking at the pressures on companies earnings, um, looking at the dollar, looking at rates, a lot of these conversations you and I have had, you know this. And I was just sitting there looking at everything going, you know, if the S&P, if you, when it was down 20% year to date, and I was like, you know, based on what's happening with rates and the Fed and all that kind of stuff, in the next 6 to 12 months, I'll be pretty surprised if the S&P doesn't bleed another 20% from here. And I didn't really think that that was a crazy scenario at all. Um just be, you know, because everybody's like, oh, we dropped so much. But I don't think people realize how insanely expensive markets were at the beginning of last year. And so I, I, I don't really see this 20% hit we've had as much of a drop as it is just so much of an adjustment to, you know, to the, to the, to the, to the quickest as a percentage anyway, the quickest rate hiking cycle in history. Um, and the market seems to act like good times are here again. What are we what are we seeing right now? What are you seeing in the macro world? Is this going to be an environment where, you know, certain companies are going to get hammered? Right. Obviously, um, certain ones aren't. But is this going to be a, a environment where we're just kind of steadily fighting inflation and there's really no big macro fireworks um, and that. You know, maybe you could see stocks bounce around or, or, or is this setting the table for a bigger draw? I, I, I feel much less certain now. Also, and I'm talking too much right now. I just want to make sure I set it up for the listeners and for you also. I, I've also been long expecting a bear market rally. And thank God when this week hit, it, we were the least amount hedged we've been at any time in the last six months. And I, I timing is lucky. Um, so I'm not, I'm, this isn't, this isn't me throwing a fit. This isn't me being mad because the market's getting me wrong. A couple of our biggest positions are Apple and uh, Amazon. So, I mean, it's actually been a nice week. Um, but, but I, I'm just now that it's happening and watching what's rallying and the strength of the rally, I'm sitting there going, is this more, because what it's showing me the, I, right now, just on this week, it looks like the market is completely brushing off the risk of higher rates. Or are they already pricing in rate cuts? I, I'm a bit confused as to what the what, what to make of the market and then the macro out, uh, backdrop. So I've kind of given you a, like 40 questions in one there, but <laughs> kind of just lay out the landscape for us and help help clear some things up here. Yeah, so I think at the end of the day, what we're really having is everyone everyone's been focused on inflation, and now all of a sudden growth is becoming the focus. And once growth becomes the focus, and you realize how fast it's slowing. Then all of a sudden you can start looking at okay, well rates are peaking out. If you ask me, I think uh, rates have, have peaked. Like that's over. I think it's, it's pretty much down from here or sideways at worst. So that really takes a lot of pressure off. And and when I say that, I mean I mean Treasury yields, not necessarily Fed funds rate. I, I think my base case right now is the Fed does 25 basis points in September and they're done. And I think that will be just because growth is going to look so bad and the labor market will break between now now and then. Um, start showing some weakness. So you, you have the scenario where the worse the economy gets, the better policy gets. And at the end of the day, I think, I think, you know, the stock market cares a little bit more about policy than it does the real economy. And if they start, you know, markets start, start feeling like they're, they're going to get their liquidity back in the next, you know, six months or 12 months, then it's going to start pricing that in. I think that's what we're seeing. I, I too thought we'd go farther down than, than we have. I, to me, you know, getting down to 3,600 wasn't going to be enough. I thought it was going to be, I thought 34, 3,500 was going to be about where, where we got to. Um, and so my gut still says, you know, Hey, this is probably a bear market rally. And we go back down. Uh, like, like yourself, you know, I flipped from being short the S and P to long the S and P at the end of last week. Um, that has gone very well. And mostly I did that just because I, I thought everyone had gotten just way too bearish and, essentially quit and just move to cash. And that's the, that's the best time to get everyone chasing back again, whenever something good happens. And that's what we're in right now. Everyone's chasing to get back in because things are starting to look a little better. And, but, but that can trap people, you know, at the worst time. And we kind we kind of go back down, but I will say, I always seem to think there's going to be one more leg down. And 
in every in every like you know bear market we have. So I I'm really focused on that and understanding like hey, like you always think there's going to be another leg down, so be really cognizant of that. And that means this may this may be it that that may have been the bottom. And you know I, I feel like I know I have to be ready for that being you know the eventuality. And I think a lot of people when they look at the market they look at good or bad instead of getting better or getting worse. And what moves markets isn't good or bad. It's it's getting better or getting worse. And right now right. the macro environment from a policy perspective is getting better because it, you know, Jay Powell said we're at neutral and he paid a little bit of lip service to, you know, trying to be nimble. So I, I think he was trying to still sound tough and give the Hawks what they want, but also give the doves what they want to say like, Hey, like the next meeting's two months away. A lot can happen. We are seeing some stuff kind of break down. So we're cognizant of that too. Uh, and I think that was enough to give people license to view, you know, an actual uh, change in policy, or or at least you know a slow, a big slowdown in in the rate of of uh, rate hikes. And yeah, like I say, September is that's that's a long ways away. There's gonna be a lot of data that comes out between now and then. So there, there's a lot that can move the Fed, you know, in that in that short amount of time. One of the well, I've got a bunch of things I want to throw at you. Um, okay, so you're saying that when you when you're and, and it's one of the reasons that we're going to work together. It's one of the reasons we do work together. Is I, I love your approach of turning out the tuning out the noise and focusing on the data. And for people out there, listeners of this show that think that I'm reversing case and now all of a sudden a couple of days of a rally uh, have made me change my stance. That's not the case, guys. But but. What you have to learn in this business, and it took me a, a, a lot of pain and, and, and more years than I All right, guys, due to time constraints, we got to cut things off right there. Hope you enjoyed the, the, the interview. If you want to listen to the rest of it, just Google Know Your Risk Radio Podcast. We're on Apple. We're on all the different iTunes sites or all the different podcast sites. Easy to find. Just Google Know Your Risk Radio Podcast and subscribe. You can get the rest of the Chase interview for free, all the other interviews we do. Anyway, we got to run. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll be back next week. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.